So I am super excited to have on the phone with me today, Richard Mason, um, who is the founder and creator of Cosmic Human Design. Um, yeah, so he's been doing some amazing things in his life. He graduated from Yale University, um, went on an incredible journey, and then most recently, he was responsible for birthing into the world this next step, as I see it, in the evolution of the human design system. So welcome, Richard. I am really excited to have you here. Hey, Helen. It's great to be here. Um, yeah, it's super excited to be on your show. Um, and uh, thank you so much for having me. <laughs> cool. Yeah. So I would love for you to share, just to begin with, um, a little bit about your journey. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm sure it's uh, a pretty long and um, in-depth one, but just kind of in a nutshell, what led you here? How did you get to be here and um, bringing this this cosmic human design system to life? Yeah, Helen. So I've always been very interested in philosophy and psychology. You know, that was my major in college, philosophy. Um, and, uh, you know, different personality systems like the Myers-Briggs and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, actually, this journey started about two years ago when I discovered human design for the first time, actually, on the Amazon books recommended section. <laughs> um, and I just fell in love with it immediately. And I felt like it was what I'd always been looking for, you know, a kind of comprehensive system to describe one's personality. And um, so I studied it uh, vociferously um, until I met uh, Jaron Kenyon, his name, who's actually was a human design and still is a human design coach. So I was actually trying to follow my tropical strategy and authority um, and, and get, get better at that um, when I was talking with Jaron. And so basically he introduced me to sidereal astrology, which I never even heard of before, really. <laughs> um, so after I did some research into that and discovered there are, you know, not one, but many types of sidereal astrology. Um, and in particular, I found a system called true sidereal astrology which unlike every other version of astrology actually represents the planets as they are in the sky. <laughs> Imagine that. Um, so I was immediately, I was like, well, why isn't everyone using this? It just seems so much more real, so much more accurate, so much more natural. And, uh, you know, I got to thinking that uh, after seeing my true sidereal natal birth chart and seeing how much more it resonated with me than the tropical birth chart, I got to thinking, well, that would, you know, because I knew how human design was structured. I knew that the astrology was what is used to actually calculate your uh, human design chart, your body graph. And so I got to thinking, well, if my, if my son is in a different sign in this different astrology, then surely my human design son would be in a different gate as well. And so I, you know, started kind of trying to work that out and how that all matched up and did a lot of research um, into how the wheels, you know, in human design, you've got 
basically two wheels, um, an astrology wheel and a hexagram wheel, which is composed of the 64 hexagrams of the I Ching. And so human design is basically a synthesis of astrology and the I Ching. Um, and it lays out each gate um, to a, a, a specific portion section of the human body. And then where the planets are at when you were born determines which of those gates or centers in your body get activated. And those centers and gates, they have the properties of the hexagram in the I Ching, which describes the 64 um, basically archetypes of consciousness. So um, after, and after I did some more diving into it and felt like I got the calculations right and did my own chart, I, I was blown away. I just felt it was so much more me than the tropical chart that I had been trying to make work. And that's one of the key revelations I had was, you know, I was actually trying a lot to make my original human design chart work. Um, and it felt like with this new chart I had created, I didn't have to try at all. And it was already describing exactly who I was. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that's kind of how it came about. Um, and, uh, you know, I started making charts for people and, um, you know, by hand and stuff, and they all really seemed to resonate with it uh, super well, and were just kind of blown away by it. So I created a, uh, I originally introduced it on a human design and astrology Facebook page. Um, but after the reception, which was absolutely overwhelming, um, I created a new cosmic design, cosmic human design Facebook group. And, and actually chose to rename it um, Cosmic Human Design uh, in ki kind of in honor of a book that I had discovered while coming up with all this called the, uh, the I Ching Oracle of the Cosmic Way, or as I like to call simply the Cosmic I Ching. And we can talk about a lot about that as well and how it relates to human design. Um, so, so that's kind of where the name comes from, the Cosmic and Cosmic Human Design. Um, I was calling it true sidereal human design for a while. So it also goes by that name. Mm, wow. What a journey. What a journey. Um, <laughs> so what's coming to me as you, as you were talking is really, um, I'm wondering whether you feel comfortable sharing what your human design was under the tropical astrology system. Um, and just to be clear, tropical astrology is is like conventional Western astrology, um, the 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 system that is used um, as the basis for creating human design charts, for example, on mybodygraph.com or or jovianarchive.com. It's the the system that we've you know we've known as we've grown up and and we've used in order to to know our star signs and and all of those things right yeah so in uh in in tropical astrology uh tropical human design i was i was a manifester um and uh and i had the 62 sun gate as my main uh you know sun gate um and i was also a triple split as well had a defined head and a defined heart which is pretty rare and and so the whole chart really it just felt like it was a bit lopsided you know it it um i had an open sacral and open root center open uh spleen 
um, it just felt like the whole chart was a bit lopsided and it didn't really feel like it was in harmony with me. Um, now in true, in a uh, cosmic human design, I'm a manifesting generator and I can tell you ever since I've consciously been, um, consciously been aware of myself as a manifesting generator, I felt my entire sacral kind of like reawaken and found myself having access to all this energy and power and just the ability to work for very, very long hours, which before I think I was consciously blocking in a way because I thought of myself as a manifester. And if you think of yourself as a manifester, then you also probably think several other things like for one, that you're only good at starting things, for example, that you don't have the energy to actually sit down and sustain uh, long hours of work. So since I consciously thought that, I believe it blocked my ability to do those things. Um, and now that I've been living with the Cosmic Human Design chart for a while, it just feels so perfectly natural to be able to work those long hours. You know, that's that's really kind of who I am is I like to get really deep into the details of things and really stay with something until I finish it, you know. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of kind of where my charts were at. Um, mm, <laughs> it's just so interesting, isn't it? Um, yeah. And I mean, you read my cosmic human design chart last week. So um as we saw then you know i really resonate with this with this idea that um you know beforehand i was a projector under the tropical astrology system um and and then to see my cosmic human design and to see that i'm actually a sacral generator it it led to this like incredible release of of the sacral, of my sacral power, which has just been amazing. And I guess a little bit of me feels like I've been trying to, to align with being a projector. I've been trying to be a projector over the past couple of years. And then I get my cosmic chart and I'm like, oh, okay, right. I, you know, I just get to be me. I, I, I get to be able to work sustainably. And you know this this feels like something really important for us to 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 talk about to discuss here um because as I speak, I can hear the extent to which I was kind of giving my power away to my tropical human design chart um and and you know really um intending and and trying to to embody what I saw in that chart um so I would love to hear what you what you feel about tropical human design and you know it, it feels to me like it's blowing up at the moment in the in the personal development world and actually um you know the extent to which that is useful um because it's kind of based on on tropical astrology um and i mean for me personally it really does feel like i I evolved a lot with the support of my tropical chart and it doesn't feel like it was something after my uh, initial kind of, oh my gosh, have I just wasted two years? Um, actually, I could see, I could see the the threads that, that ran through my 
tropical chart, the themes that I've worked on that are still very much relevant in my cosmic chart. And it feels like, you know, that was a step, that was a step in the process. And now, um, and now kind of being presented with my cosmic chart, it, it feels different. It feels more effortless. It feels, um, there feels to be a lot more ease there, just kind of automatically. Um, so yeah, I would love for you to share, you know, how you feel, whether you feel that, that tropical human design is still playing a role and, and how you see that unfolding. Well, yeah, to me, it feels like um, that true sidereal astrology is um, a natural fit for human design. And I feel that it, it, it's supposed to be used with true sidereal astrology um, because um, when, you know, um, true sidereal, and, and one part of this is, yeah, like we were talking a bit before the podcast, um, I, I kind of feel like kind of the world wasn't ready uh, back in the 80s or uh, when Ra came up with this. Uh, with the original human design, I kind of don't feel the world was really ready for um, true sidereal astrology. So I feel the tropical chart um, uh, has put put a lot of people on the path to actually find cosmic human design. You know, like I was trying to follow my own strategy and authority, my tropical strategy and authority when I came up with this. Um, so I think it is part of a, kind of like a greater cosmic plan Um for these things to unfold in a certain way at a certain time. Um, now, I do feel that uh, tropical astrology, uh, see, because here's the thing. So like you were saying, there are lots of patterns in your tropical chart that are um, recapitulated in the true sidereal chart, the cosmic chart. Um, and, and that's because the way it works is tropical astrology the wheel, you know, where where we're aligning the astrology wheel with the hexagram wheels, the wheel is basically rotated. It's basically rotated, and that accounts for the main difference uh, between the astrology. So what's happening is you're getting kind of a, a skewed light um, from the cosmos, from nature. And these, like, natural light signals are, I believe, a way that the cosmos kind of programs us to have a predisposition towards a certain differentiation, a certain uniqueness. And so basically, if the light is rotated, if it's skewed, then you're still getting a lot of the information, but it's just in kind of a haphazard format. Um, lots of the tropical charts I've looked at, um, when you see what the cosmic chart looks like, it just feels like everything is kind of jumbled around, you know, it's kind of, it's like nothing has a overall theme to it. Like you find in the cosmic chart. It's like, and it's amazing because it, it really, you know, makes you feel more empowered as a person to see how every single gate and center in your chart lines up and is there kind of for a greater purpose. Whereas in the tropical chart, it kind of feels like, yeah, everything is skewed. It's kind of out of place, but it's still kind of you, you know, and that's kind of why people 
um, are still into it, I think, is they, they can see something of themselves in the tropical chart. Um, it, just, uh, it just causes a lot of confusion, though, in my opinion. And uh, I think this is what tropical astrology has done as a whole for the planet is cause a lot of confusion. And I believe that tropical astrology or any astrology is capable of creating a global consciousness field which um, influences and affects all the perceptions and, uh, you know, reality, basically, of everyone uh, on the planet, even if they don't believe in any kind of astrology, because you've got so many people who do and their perceptions are being affected. And then the person they talk to's perceptions are being affected. And then, you know, everyone's perceptions are being affected all of a sudden, <laughs> all because of a shift, a rotation in these astrology wheels. Um, so, yeah, and we can talk a lot about how, how I also believe that tropical astrology is uh, not responsible for, but is... Um, uh, a symptom or, or a cause, I don't know, of uh, basically this, um, I call it the parallel reality that we are all living in as a, as a species, as a planet. Um, and this parallel reality, it's described very well in, in the cosmic I Ching. And this is why, one of the reasons why the cosmic I Ching has really become like the book of philosophy for me <laughs> is because it describes all these things that resonate so well, you know, um, we are living in a matrix, um, and it's a matrix of the mind. It's a matrix of the mind. Um, it's not really visible. Um, it, it's just that if people have the wrong idea about themselves, okay, then they also will probably have the wrong idea about the cosmos. And having the wrong idea about something skews all your views and beliefs about that thing. And, um, excuse all your perceptions and in, in, in total creates this parallel reality where everyone is not themselves because if everyone was themselves, then everything would be perfect. <laughs> um, everything would be in harmony. And that's what the I Ching describes are the 64 cosmic principles of harmony. Um, and uh, how there's already this uh, cosmic consciousness that exists in everyone and everything. Um, but as a whole, we as a, we as a species don't really believe that. We believe in what the visible world is telling us. And it's almost like we've forgotten our other uh, senses, our inner senses. Um, you know, for every outer sense you have, you also have a corresponding inner sense. Like, for example, the inner sense of smell which tells you if a situation doesn't quite feel right or, you know, something's amiss, you know, like you can smell something uh, wrong, you know. <laughs> it's like we've forgotten about our invisible, the invisible world, um, the, and that's the invisible world of consciousness, uh, which, you know, there's also a visible world, the visible world of nature. There's also the invisible world of consciousness. And I believe that, the I Ching and by extension human design describe those kind of like, uh, it's kind of like a physics of consciousness that we can uh, be aware of and, and be certain of. Um, it's not like just because something's invisible means it's unknowable or, um, you know, uh, not understandable, but that's what we've been kind of led to believe. 
through our education and societal systems. And um, it's almost like humanity as a whole, as a collective, is uh, just now starting to grow up and uh, kind of realize that they're part of a bigger cosmos, which is already out there and is already completely harmonious. You know, it's we who create the disharmony through our false beliefs and our uh, false uh, perceptions, you know, because, because we blocked a lot of that by only believing in the visible world, for example. Um, and so I believe that cosmic human design is actually a way for you to get back into harmony, uh, to return to your true self. And um, actually, actually, when I, when I asked the I Ching what the kind of higher purpose of human design was, it told me uh, hexagram 24, which is the return. And it's a return to your true self, basically. Mm, I love that. Oh, <laughs> yeah, the return. I was like, oh, what are you going to say? <laughs> um, yeah, like the return. It feels like almost orgasmic. <laughs> because, yeah, like, you, you know, you go through all of this. Um, and first of all, I should just say, like, wow, there was just so much there. <laughs> yeah, one of the things that I feel like is very um, kind of prevalent in the self-exploration, personal development world, it's like when you start going on this journey, it's all about, you know, okay, I, I need to create something new. I need to choose to be something different. I need to be different in some way. And yeah. one of the most, you know, the biggest like aha moments, the kind of light bulb moments for me on my human design journey was this realization that this was a journey of remembrance. Mm -hmm. This wasn't about me having to be something that I wasn't. This was about a return. This was about a remembrance to something that was already within me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like it's there and it's just waiting to be remembered, to be allowed. Um, you know, like what you say about the the harmony that's already there, the, the kind of unseen um, intangible cosmos that's there in nature it's it, it's there in the natural world and it it's there to be um, accessed again um, but it's just that at this moment in time we can't see it because you know it's almost like we're living in this kind of chaos and distortion um, but but it's there and it and it always has been and it always will be um, for us um, so yeah, it, it feels like th this kind of return to harmony, this, this, this concept of returning and, and remembrance is, is powerful. It's, it's really powerful. Yeah, Helen, absolutely. Um, like the, uh, like the cosmic teaching says, the search, uh, isn't necessarily for like the truths of uh, existence or yourself. It's, it's to search for the untruths that actually cover up the underlying harmony. Um, because um, when, when you're being your true self, right, you're automatically in harmony with the entire cosmos and all, it's, and all of that invisible, massive reality. But when you're not being yourself, and, and this is an important point, this is what the cosmic teaching calls the ego, so the cosmic teaching says that the ego 
is the the main thing that has separated humanity from the cosmos. And that's why you see all this strife and suffering in the world, right? Is because humanity as a whole is not in harmony with the cosmos. We've gone away from it. We've gone away from it over the past thousands of years or however long. And um, yeah, now I believe it's the time time for the return at, at, for humanity as a whole. Um, and um, when when you are being your true self, which I believe is described in the Cosmic Human Design chart, your true self, um, I believe it's a description of your true self. Uh, when you're when you are your true self, um, it's like all, everything everything starts going better for you like right away automatically because this was all already set up uh you know for you for you to be a unique that unique person and fulfill a unique cosmic purpose everyone has a cosmic purpose um which is something a lot of us have lost sight of and because we want to follow all these um, outer things that uh, society or the world like tells us we should do or be, but no, actually, that's already already kind of programmed in you, like what uh, what your unique kind of role is. Um, and so, by focusing on all these outer things instead of coming back and looking inward um, for the answers. We, we get confused and, and distracted and we wind up uh, uh, we wind up actually in a way failing uh, Richard Rudd in the 32nd gene key, the shadow is failure. And he says that the only real failure in life is not being yourself, <laughs> not being yourself. And that's the, that's the, that's the magic. That's the beauty of all this is, the all the things that can come all the all the things you've ever wished for or dreamed for or um you know wanted uh will come to you like when you are um who you really really are when you're simply being yourself um and that's <laughs> that's like something that humanity as a whole has been having a lot of trouble with because people think they need to be this or that or this other thing you know um and uh, and the cosmic teaching it calls that it calls that the ego when when you're taking up basically what is a character mask uh, a character mask or you know some false self some image some image of who you should be or and, and then you try and fulfill that image and that leads to the, the development of the ego which is not the same as the self, by the way, a lot of people seem to think that the ego is the same as the self, but no, the, the ego is actually like a false self. This is kind of like this uh, programming that uh, has overwritten itself um, on top of your original programming. Um, and that's the state that a lot of people are in today is they're trying to fulfill all these self images of themselves, um, you know, instead of simply being themselves, which, which doesn't have an image which um, is completely natural and which requires no work or, uh, you know, no hard work at least. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the ego is always uh, trying to make us think that um, bringing the true self is hard work or a big challenge or, you know, all these other different things. Um, 
And almost everyone has an ego. Uh, and we have a collective ego as a whole, which uh, is responsible in a way for a lot of the false uh, ideas and beliefs uh, that we have as a species. One of them is, for example, the um, uh, the human-centered view of the universe. Um, you know, in popular science and uh, you know mainstream philosophy and everything, they regard humanity as kind of the center of the universe, as kind of the centerpiece or masterpiece of creation. And that's the same for a lot of these esoteric traditions as well. But that idea is in totally is totally false because it denies uh, basically the invisible world of consciousness, uh, the entire cosmic reality. <laughs> so if you hold that belief, then you're not going to receive help from the cosmos. And by the way, the cosmos does help everyone who is in harmony with it. Um, but if you're not in harmony with the cosmos, if you're following your ego, then you're going to be left to your own devices, basically. Um, and uh, I believe that what we call magic or miracles is actually the ordinary way in which the cosmos works. Um, we, we just can't see it because so many of us are hung up on our ego, uh, trying to fulfill all these self-images and, and things that we, um, we don't get to see that uh, as much. Um, Mm, I just love that that vision of you know magic and miracles being life that's that's just what we expect yeah <laughs> so in terms of the collective ego the the fact that you know the collective consciousness as you said has um, kind of created um, this this matrix that we are currently living in mm-hmm. um, and I'd love for you to share, you know, how you um, how you see this. Is is this um, a kind of necessary step on the evolutionary journey of humanity? Have we gone wrong? Um, how how do you perceive it? Um, yeah, I'd love to hear. Yeah, well, you know, I believe that it's simply a. Uh a result of humans being fairly young as a species and not having yet come to terms with what the cosmos really is. Um, and also, um, so we tend to think of ourselves as being special for having language and for having a mind. Um, and that idea, that idea of being special automatically separates us from the rest of the cosmos because everything in the cosmos is equal fundamentally. Um, every And everything has consciousness in it. So when we think of ourselves as special and when we let our minds delude us because, um, you know, our mind thinks it's special and thinks it has this language so that it's, you know, all powerful or something. Um, when we actually believe that, then that takes us on this collective ego path journey, which is where we've been going for the you know, past thousands of years is, you know, we kind of as a species as a whole, let ourselves be deluded by our mind. And now the mind has written into itself kind of all these rational, logical justifications for why reality is the way it is. Well, who, who says any of them are necessarily true? You know, that's just, uh, it's more like they're half-truths. 
their half truths, which obscure the 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 real truth. Um, and uh, yeah, so so I believe that uh, you know um, all the all these different uh, esoteric traditions and religions and stuff. They all they all say that you know around this time uh, is is when humanity as a whole will start waking up in some way or another, or, or there'll be some kind of um, great revealing or, or whatnot. Well, I believe that that great revealing is simply, you know, coming back to your true self <laughs> and some, and realizing that the cosmos is already, already has this higher harmony to it and that we can rejoin that uh, at any time if we, if we want to. Um, and, and I'd like to talk about language a bit more because it's really been like, um, the false use of language, which has created this parallel reality. And, and that's because people don't commonly realize the power that words have, that words have to alter your, um, beliefs or, or to create a belief. Right. Um, and, and then if you believe that, that changes your whole reality. <laughs> um, and that's the power of language. Uh, people don't commonly realize how easy it is to, for example, um, cast a spell, like uh, a real magical spell that is simply words. It's simply words. Like, for example, if you say, um, Mark, uh, Mark is, uh, you know, a, a low, low wage earner or something. That's like casting a spell on that person because you've said the words, okay? And so they create, they kind of create their, a consciousness of their own, basically. Um, and, and so now that person is going to be under the burden of that spell that he's a low wage earner just because you've said it, you know? It's not like you have any intention of, of doing that or anything, but that's kind of just the power that words have in and of themselves. Um and and also um, two other things that the cosmic teaching talks about are projections um, and poison arrows, spells, projections, and poison arrows. These are like three ways that uh, language can be used wrongly to create an artificial reality, basically, because um, consciousness is so powerful that uh, even false consciousness can create its own reality. Um, it, it's just a matter of using it rightly or wrongly, right? Um, and a projection basically is this kind of, uh, is, is you projecting your belief onto the cosmos as a whole. And in a way, it does create that belief. It creates that projection that you have in your mind. Um, so humanity as a whole, since we believe these things, since we believe, for example, that, I don't know, we're alone in the universe or that, uh, the invisible world doesn't exist. Well, then it really doesn't like for the people who have that projection, it kind of creates that by itself. It takes on a life of its own <laughs> in a way. Um, so yeah, that's kind of the situation that we're in as a whole today. Um, but yeah, I, I, I believe the solution is simple, you know, um, to, to get out of this matrix that we're in, which this matrix I would describe as kind of a net of false beliefs and false, uh, the false use of language 
So we have all these words and phrases, um, which can actually take on kind of a demonic character. Um, and that's why the cosmic teaching also calls this parallel reality we're living in the demonic sphere of consciousness, because, um, because all these, uh, because we're, we tend to think that we're not good enough in and of ourselves. Right. Um, we, we tend to think we have to become something or like you were talking about earlier, you know, you have to become this or that. Well, that's actually just draining your life energy, you know, um, and, and kind of throwing it away on this, on these collective mistaken beliefs we have. Um, so yeah, the way out of that, I believe, is simply returning to uh, who you really are and, and getting rid, and that entails like getting rid of a lot of the false beliefs that uh, a lot of people have. Um, like, like, for example, that there's no help for you. Like a lot of people believe that they have to do everything themselves or that, um, there's no source of help for them except what they can see or except for the uh, institutions of society today. But, uh, you know, that's not really true. Um, the cosmos helps everything that is in harmony with it. So once you return to being your true self, um, you will kind of be the recipient of a lot of these, uh, a lot of this magic and, and miracles that, uh, is how the cosmos really operates. Mm, thank you so much for all of that. Um, yeah, something that really fascinates me um, and has fascinated me since I began this journey um, and that is also reflected in, in human design as well is this idea that, you know, we have the, the conscious side and we also have the unconscious side of our being um and you know for me my my journey of self-exploration started um when I started my parenting journey um nearly nine years ago um and you know for me being a, a parent has been uh, hugely transformational and continues to be because it's such a kind of forum <laughs> for for daily triggers and um <laughs> and growth and learning um, and, you know, it's really interesting when you talk about language, because, um, you know, in the parenting world, there is this notion of, um, you know, you, you shouldn't say this, you, you shouldn't say that, um, in order to kind of protect your, your children, you know, and you use positive language so that you don't you don't say to them what you don't want them to do you say to them what you do want them to do so for example you know you don't say don't jump on the bed you say hey why don't you jump on the floor and i remember you know a few years ago i was i became really obsessed by language and at the time i was listening to a lot of abraham hicks mm. and i i became um really conscious of the words I was using, but to the extent that it became very stressful. So what I noticed was that it was becoming kind of stressful and I was um, becoming, you know, not just an observer of my, of my language and my thoughts, I was becoming, um, you know, very self-critical and it was becoming um, something which actually didn't feel um, very healthy at all. 
And then what happened was that I began to dive much more into the unconscious side of things. And what I realized was that even though I might be using particular language, you know, um, being very conscious of the thoughts I was thinking and what I was saying, um, if the energy, if my energy and my, you know, my emotional body was giving a different message to my child, then they would feel it in the moment. So for example, if, um, if, you know, I was saying to my son, you know, I really love you. Um, but in that moment he was fighting with his sister. Um, you know, there are times when he said to me, but mom, I don't feel it. I don't feel the love, um, that you're talking about in this moment. And it was only when I actually started to kind of acknowledge that, to to own that and to say, you know, to my son in those moments. And, and, you know, now there are times when I can hold the capacity for love and the energy of love no matter what's going on. And there are times when I can't. Um, and when I can't, it, it was kind of groundbreaking for us, for me to be able to say, actually, you're right, you know, I really want to be able to um, allow this love to kind of come through me and to you in this, you know, at all times and in this moment. But actually, I'm finding it really hard right now to access that feeling. Um, and that's me, that's, you know, something that I am working on. Um, and it's not you. Um, but I, I could immediately see that you know, there was this huge sigh of relief kind of energetically in him because his intuition wasn't off. And the, the way that he was sensing the situation was, was exactly how it was. Um, and I feel like often, you know, when we kind of act and speak and, you know, really take care of our language with our children, sometimes what we actually do is teach them not to trust their intu intuition and their intuitive impulses because it's like I'm saying this but you're feeling something else and you trust me as your parent to, to be kind of right in quotes because I don't really feel like we we, we you know that there is a kind of objective right or wrong necessarily but um, and so then they start to, to stop trusting their their intuitive guidance that they have within them and the set that that you know the unseen um, senses that they have within them about what actually is going on in the moment. The other example is where, you know, the child comes along and says to, says to the mother, you know, and notices that the mum is, you know, feeling a bit unsettled, a bit stressed about something and says, you know, are you okay? And the mum says, yes, yes, darling, I'm fine. Um, it's all good here. But they sense, the child senses that there's something off. Um, just to keep the, the positivity going and the high vibe kind of thing going, um, it what what that I feel causes is, you know, at a kind of root level, the child to start not trusting themselves. So I'm I guess what I'm saying is that I agree that, you know, language is incredibly important and incredibly powerful. Um but yeah, in my experience, if it's not backed up energetically and if you know and really what that means is unconsciously um you know we've got old patterns playing out that that are kind of the opposite of what um emotionally the opposite of what our language is saying um then it, it's 
it, it isn't actually doing the job the language isn't doing the job that we intend it to do so i guess it's almost like you know the the language is the cherry on the top but if the cake hasn't been baked and iced um then it's difficult to put the cherry on the top yeah absolutely ellen um so that actually brings us to um talking about feelings which um are actually what connects us to the cosmos is our feelings that's how we can come to know it um and feelings they come before language um so that's that's actually how um you can tell if you're using language wrongly is if it doesn't correspond to your feelings because that's how the mind should actually work right is it should follow kind of follow the heart you know the heart comes first um and your connection to the cosmic consciousness and your feelings because that's what the whole cosmos is as a whole is it's it's mostly a feeling consciousness um not a intellectual consciousness and uh so yeah absolutely that is um yeah words they they have uh they don't have um much effect if they're not backed up by your feelings first um and and they could tend to create this kind of parallel reality of their own you know if they're not backed up by feelings and uh, you know it's so uh, it's so interesting as a society as a whole we kind of been taught to ignore our feelings or you know follow the logical path or be rational uh whereas instead we should actually listen more to our feelings absolutely mm thank you i love that um so i'm going to play a little bit of devil's advocate here i i guess because you know when you say oh you yeah, know it's easy you can just come back to your true self and live live as your true self um but obviously you know there there's there's a path there's a journey um to be taken um as we embody more and more of our of our true self and our true nature um so you know i'd love to know you know do you have a process do you have um ways that you um you know that that you use to to become you know the observer to to identify the the parts of yourself that are not in alignment with your true self um and you know do you focus i know some people focus for example more on the conscious side of their chart um i like to create the foundation more on the unconscious side um so I, yeah i'd love to know kind of your process and and how a little bit about how you go about this journey yeah absolutely so i would say first of all i i follow my sense of inner truth which um is kind of that deep deep intuition that that gut feeling uh with pretty much everything um and uh in regards to the chart um i develop an intuitive understanding of what the chart is all about um and then i can see like where maybe my behaviors or thoughts like aren't in harmony with that um and it's not like i'm kind of contriving that it it's it's like you know i'll see certain patterns uh that um you know basically aren't on the chart 
And that's one way to know if you're, um, if you're in ego or being your not self or whatnot. Um, another thing that's really important is this concept of uh, depro- deprogramming, deprogramming, um, deprogramming the words and phrases that cause you to have false beliefs because it's really all about your attitude. It's all about what you believe. Um, people as a whole, they don't commonly think that your attitude or what you believe could so drastically change your reality. But the fact is it can. And um, so whenever you find yourself having a false belief or uh, something, if you because that's how these kind of collective ego programs kind of work, right? Is they are words and phrases basically that act as kind of programs, just like you can program a computer with words. You can also program a human being with words. <laughs> and uh, when people begin, you know, keep following that programming, uh, those false words and phrases, then they're not going to be in harmony, you know, because they're believing something wrongly. Um, so the key to that is just saying saying the inner no, saying the inner no to that belief or those words or phrases. And they could be words or phrases like I'm not good enough, you know, or I don't believe in myself, um, stuff like that. Um, so if you say the inner no to that, then that it creates kind of like a cosmic response and um activates transformation. Um, the, the I Ching, by the way, it, it should actually be properly called the book of transformation, not the book of changes, actually. And because transformation implies enduring change. If you just like do all these surface changes, like, I don't know, change, um, change your opinion or change your job or, uh, you know, do some minor, do some like minor change that, is not actually enduring. That that won't lead to any results. You have to have a true change of heart um, to activate this transformation. And people have kind of forgotten how to say the inner no, or, or how to say no at all to authority. <laughs> you know, um, in society as a whole, you know, we think we have to go along with what um, with what our leaders are saying or believing, or what the scientists say or believing, or what what the literature says, you know, but no, like those things aren't necessarily true and we can say no to them. And if we consciously say no to them, then that activates that cosmic response. And you really just have to try it out, I guess, to believe it. Um, But, you know, it's not that difficult. Um, You know, it's just that really a lot of people have literally, they've literally lost the ability to say no consciously or unconsciously to something. And they might, might not even realize that. Um, so that would be, that's one of the things I do a lot is, you know, whenever I catch myself in some negative pattern or shadow pattern, you know, I, I just say no to it. And, and I keep saying no to it until it's gone. Um, and, and it will be gone. You know, it might take a few days or something, but um but if you're consciously saying no to something, then that cannot possibly continue indefinitely. It's not possible. Um, um, it, you know, as long as you're not 
just saying no, like intellectually or something. You, you have to say it um, with your emotions, with your feelings, with your whole being, um, because that's like the only thing powerful enough to expel the these false beliefs and and everything from your from your cells. Um, so yeah, that's something I do a lot, and I highly recommend people try it out. Um, yeah, next time you catch yourself in some shadow pattern or if there's something you see that's wrong that you know is wrong like on the news or television or anything just say no to it consciously say no to it Mm, that feels so powerful um yeah and i've i've heard it referred to as um as the sacred no it's like we've been so conditioned to to just go along with with what fits in easily, what what keeps people around us feeling comfortable, and um, you know, really kind of um, tending towards that that people pleasing um, nature because we want to feel accepted, we want to feel like we belong, we want to feel like we fit in. Mm-hmm. You know, I often say to people try it out like try out the the nose on on the little things um you don't have to jump to the like the huge big decisions that are going to create you know potential like difficult conversations for example you can start practicing on the little things and and like experiment with it and and building up um that kind of trust muscle in terms of that that know that that know that's coming from within your body um and and you know, human design was always intended to be an experiment, right? Um, I feel like I'm going to have to, you know, invite you back another time um, to ask you some more questions because I feel like we're going to run out of time. Um, but what that brings me nicely onto is this idea of an experiment. Um, yeah, like, do you still see the? the human design system in its kind of evolved cosmic form as an experiment? And is there a balance to be struck between using systems like the I Ching and, um, you know, um, uh, sources of wisdom like the I Ching and and the, the cosmic human design system as a tool to support our evolution versus um, giving our power away to to systems and tools and and wisdom that comes from outside of us. And I mean, you know, as I mentioned earlier, I really feel like um, on reflection, I really did without even realizing it. You know, I used to say a lot, um, you know, there are no limits here. There are no limits with human design. Um, I'm a projector, but to the extent it limits me, um, you know, I go with what I, I desire. And um, and actually looking back, I really did give my power away to, to the chart and to the system and, um, and to my commitment, you know, my commitment was to embody that design because partly because it was my work. Um, and, you know, and then now as I see and work with and play with my cosmic human design, the energy feels completely different. Um, and that might be because I'm approaching it differently. Um, but or it might just be that the energy of the of the cosmic human design system is different. Um, it certainly feels lighter and more open and kind of more welcoming and nurturing 
just, you know, in its essence. Um, so yeah, I would love to hear from you whether you think there is still a danger of giving our power away to our chart, to our um, to this system, or, or whether you think that that's um, no longer relevant um, anymore. Yeah, so, um, so let me just let me just tell you the um, the the true purpose of the I Ching as as a book as a as a whole is to basically free you from the ego and this ego problem has been with us for millennia um, and, and thus by extension as well the the purpose of the cosmic human design chart is to also help free you from the ego by reconnecting you with your true self. So in a way, I feel like um, it's, it's, uh, you can think of it as an experiment, of course, but um, I kind of feel like the whole experiment uh, thing with the, um, with the whole, like, you know, you have to wait, you have to do this for seven years before you like actually are able to make changes or see anything like in the tropical human design. I kind of feel like that is, that was all in there just because it, it actually didn't have this same power that cosmic human design does. And then it just kind of comes, comes at you and uh, you immediately recognize it. You know, you immediately feel it. You, you immediately feel that, Hey, this is actually who I am. And this is like uh, in harmony with things. Um, so absolutely. Like, I, I don't want to say like you have to do anything or, um, uh, you know, I would say just give it a shot, you know, just, uh, just, co just contemplate it, just contemplate your cosmic human design chart, um, and see how it feels, you know? Um, yeah, I, I kind of, and, and I don't think you have to wait seven years to, uh, to get any results. Um, you know, that's, that's kind of been proven to me that uh, that the whole seven year thing is not entirely accurate. Um, so yeah, just give it a shot and, um, and, and yeah, it can be an experiment in that sense. You know, you're just, uh, you're just giving this a shot and see how it feels and uh, yeah, see how your life is going basically. Um and don't forget to listen to your to your inner truth about things, you know, your your intuition. Um, and by the way, I wanted to say that uh, the I Ching, I believe, is more it's more than just a book. It's a uh, it's I kind of like to think of it as a consciousness technology. <laughs> um, it, it's uh, the, the book actually speaks to you. It, it actually you actually create a connection with the cosmic consciousness when you're asking the I Ching um, and it will respond truthfully to you about anything as long as you aren't in your ego, you know, or don't have all these beliefs or expectations about what it is. Um, and so that's a, something I've been doing a lot is asking the I Ching every day for guidance um, and, it uh, it's benefited me tremendously, absolutely, um, in concert with um, you know following my cosmic human design chart, and I believe the two are very much related, uh, like I was saying. So yeah, um, yeah, try uh, try 
consulting the I Ching. Like there's lots of versions, free versions online that, uh, you know, and, and maybe just briefly look up how to, how to do that. It's, it's pretty simple. You just, most people just toss some coins um, and uh, see how it responds to you. You know, a lot of people are afraid to simply try it out <laughs> because they don't believe that it's possible. But um, yeah, the I Ching is, is more than just a book. Uh, it, it, and you can, you can um, get more in touch with that inner truth that I've been talking about. Because lots of people's inner truth has been kind of overridden by these other uh, programs that they think they have to do or think they have to be. And it's hard to get out of those um, if you can't see clearly. So, um, yeah, that's that's kind of what I've been doing is a, a mix of using the I Ching and uh, looking at my Cosmic Human Design chart and, yeah, seeing if my inner thoughts – because that's really what it's all about, right? Is your inner thoughts and your inner attitude towards things um, that really need to change if you, uh, you know, to in order to like improve your life. You know, it's not like it's not like it'll just give you a solution, uh, you know, an outer solution that you can. It's not like it's going to tell you how to win the lottery or something. You know, it's going to tell you how you can be more in harmony with the cosmos. Um, which we know automatically gets you access to all these gifts, uh, you know, the gifts of life, really. Mm, yeah. So would you say that the way that you use the I Ching is kind of a form of prayer, or would you not use that terminology? Um, I wouldn't call it a prayer because the prayer implies that, um, that, uh, that you're asking something that is higher than you. Um, you know, in order to intervene or something. Well, that's not the correct way of looking at it because all consciousness is equal, including your own. So nothing is higher or lower than anything else. And if you believe that, then you're not going to get a good response from it because you're putting it up on a pedestal and that interferes with its ability to communicate with you. Um, so I, I view it as kind of like asking a friend asking a friend for advice. Um, and that's the attitude that the I Ching would like to have with you as well, like as a dependable friend that can answer, uh, that can that can help you get more in touch with, with who you are. Mm, that's amazing. Thank you. Oh, I feel like, you know, I really do need to invite you back. I feel like I could talk for hours um, about all sorts of things and, you know, in in greater and greater depth. Um, yeah, thank you. Um, so, yeah, before we close, is there anything that you uh, felt like you wanted to share? Um, well, just uh, thank you so much, Helen, for letting me uh, be the, the first guest on your podcast. And it's really exciting and I love all the stuff you do. And uh, yeah, I look forward to, to working with you talking with you more in the future. Um, and yeah, I just wanted to mention, you can, uh, you can check out the website, www.cosmichumandesign.com to get your chart. And then you can look on my YouTube channel, Cosmic Human Design YouTube channel for, you know, some more videos 
about the eaching and all this stuff I've been talking about. And yeah, you can join the Facebook group as well, Cosmic Human Design Facebook group. Yeah, thank you so much. Amazing. Thank you so much, Richard. Um, yeah, it's been amazing to to talk with you, to discuss some of these um, topics and to hear your incredible insights. Um, and yeah, I want to say thank you in general to you for for bringing um, cosmic human design to life, for for allowing it to be um, burst into the world at this time. Um, it feels incredibly powerful and and you know it feels like it's already shifted um, a lot um, in in this you know in this short period of time. So I just can't wait to see the ripple. So yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs>